Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of the Asian Tales. These conversations are meant to highlight, share, and educate us on the Asian community and culture. It's a space where we can share our life's journey with the experiences and realizations we've made along the way and become a beacon for individuals to look towards. Today's guest is John Bundalian. John shares with us all about his experience with Filipino culture and how important family relationships and communication are. Join me as John shares his tale. Hello, John. Welcome on to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. How have you been doing? Oh, yeah. it's, I've been pretty good. Thank you for having me and uh, welcome everyone to Diamond's <laughs> Podcast. Good, good. Thank you for that. John, could you just quickly give us a little introduction of yourself for our listeners? Yeah, so for everyone coming into my episode with Diamond, my name is uh, John Bundalian. I'm 26 from the Philippines. I was actually born there and then nine months later came to Australia to grow up. So it's kind of like uh, an Aussie meat pie, but with a dobo inside for the filling. <laughs> Do you go back to the Philippines at all? I've been back twice. The, uh, the first one was when I was, uh, I think, in 2007. So year seven. And then I went back uh, two years ago, just before like the wonderful um, pandemic came to the stage so I think two to three months just as we flew out that's when they started to go into um uh section lockdowns yeah so we touched the bullet yeah did did you go back to visit your family is that why you went back to the Philippines yeah so um even though I haven't practiced the the native language in uh Pampanga um, it was really great to reconnect with the family and also be reminded of, of even though people are in a very uh, straining life circumstances, they still find um, holistic, healthy, positive uh, insight towards that. And they're really close um, to each other as family members too. Mm-hmm. What, what did you say was the national language? Uh, so in... Philippines, the the collective language is Tagalog, and then they have um, in different areas certain dialects. So, uh, tongue twister for you guys, it's Kampampampangan, or I didn't even say it properly, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's within those guidelines. Well, but can you say it again? Uh, Kampampangan. So I, I know my mom's probably gonna, yeah, my mom's probably gonna get uh, like the Chanelas and and give me a a smack on the bottom for getting it wrong. So. <laughs> Sorry, mom. You are the eldest within your family. So you have siblings that moved over too? Yeah. So the majority of my dad's side um, within the first circle came over to Australia. Um, within the, my generation, so being the first generation into Australia, I have a younger sister. And then that's, that's it within my immediate family. So my mom, dad, myself and my sister. So if you came over when you were nine months old, was your sister born in Australia? Mm -hmm. She was born in 2008. Ah. Yeah, so there's a big gap from 1994 to like 2008. Well, actually, sorry, no, year 2000, sorry. (laughs) She was born on April 8th, but on 2000. Oh, okay. I was going to say that that is a huge gap. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, you know, because I'm from the States and I feel like immigration with children is a huge topic right now Mm -hmm. in the States going on. What was it like for yourself? I'm sure you don't remember at nine months old, but coming over from the Philippines into Australia, were your parents able to to migrate easily with you or? How could I forget? My grandmother likes to tell the story to every stranger that comes comes by whether whenever I'm with her and she's very proud of me um well, let's she, hear she it. would <laughs> she would always say that um uh I was sitting outside like in the embassy um with her and this is as a baby she would hold me um and she actually put like a blanket on the ground where she would sit down and um wait until the line would progress and then every time the line would move up the actual staff of the embassy would move the blanket and then redeploy the blanket on the ground. So like you'd see like a, a massive like 
Filipino daycare that my grandmother was so proud in um, until we got, well, until my father got his uh, process within the embassy approved. And then when he went over, he, 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 he went for, I think maybe one or two years to suss it out. And then mm-hmm. um, from there, he came back because, and I quote in these words that he couldn't live without my mother. And he kept thinking about her um, while he was in Australia. So he came back to actually bring um, my mom and pretty much myself. And then as, as he kept coming back, he helped transition uh, his side of the family towards into Australia. That's really romantic. Yeah. It was, it's um, like they've been, when they first met, it was like he was with his other girlfriend. And <gasps> <laughs> well, the thing is like, they weren't dating at the thing, but it was so, and I can like, it's really great because like my mom, like I always say she's cheeky because it's like whether she does it on purpose or not, like some mistakes, I always tease her as like a, a brother. And I think because my mom and dad had me when they were like, I think dad was 19, mom was 18. Oh, and whenever wow. I go into, yeah, <laughs> well, that's how, it, how, that's, that's how it's really, really like back in the old days. Like one, um, everything's very family orientated. And then you've got like, the the aspects of of starting a family and when you start a family it's not just two children it's like at least three to four and um at 18 and 19 yeah yeah well the thing is my cousins well I'm older than some of them but they 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 already have like one or two kids you know it's 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 a certain like traditional thing where it's like family comes first and in 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 the confinements that like with the the social environment over there um i've uh, observed like that where the philippines or filipino people are really strong with their emotions um Mm -hmm. and this is my point of view that individually it's just when you feel something that you're so compelled whether it's um determination to be very successful um subject to your perspective or whether you have romantic interest towards a person or whether you believe in yourself and you want to harness that energy the one thing you will see in in a filipino person is the determination in their eyes but also how nice they remain within adversity um obviously we're, we're not the philippines aren't completely perfect we have our flaws but um, yeah, but that could be fi- said for anyone, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But through fire and ice, despite the worst circumstances, they're still smiling at the end. They still look after their family. And at the same time, they, they still like to make uh, cheesy jokes and, and just like uh, enjoy the situation, you know, like, yeah, like they're very strong with their emotions. But I think we went on a massive detour. So <laughs> uh, okay. what, what was the initial question? <laughs> Um, I think the initial question had to do with having children at such a young age. Yes, yes. So having children, so they they just enjoy family. Like it's it's amazing, and and I guess having a, a cute enemy running around is even more appealing too. Like, yeah, I think it's really important to have such such strong family ties and emotional connection to your family because, in the end, what's the saying? Blood's thicker than water. That type of saying. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, your family is who you can fall upon, and and for most people, I'd say is is their rock in life. It's really great you say that because reflecting on my insight with my mother and father, my mother was very, very emotional, and she she handed the the affectionate side of the things. Mm-hmm. So she provided me the the emotional uh, development, and with my father, he was very, very traditional, but at the same time, because of himself. Um, being the catalyst of allowing the first generation to come into Australia, um, I can tell based on emotional intelligence or uh, being reflective of who he is as a character and his behavior is that when you put yourself in the perspective that one, um, Australia is booming with potential and uh, immigration from multiple amounts of countries are coming to Australia there's still this fresh interaction with people that you've, you probably haven't seen 
ever from a different country just because mm-hmm. you've gone from Philippines to that. And because there's this uncertainty, people tend to, and it's, this is normal in any process when you, when you form a connection or even when a team is forming, which is the storming process. So I guess my father faced a lot of, um, I think, judgment. Judgment in the way that people were unsure who he was as a character and who he um, and unsure on who he was as a person who represents a certain nationality. And that's why one, to this very day, even though he's stubborn, he does it with good intentions because um, deep down inside, he wants to provide for his family. And that, that really carries on towards his children or myself and my sister, because even though my family started a family really early, um, because they wanted to, it, it allows me to reflect that when, when it comes to a point where I would get serious with a partner or come to the even further stage of starting a family, one, I want to be in a position where I'm very satisfied with the career path that I'm in so that when I come home, I'm in the best mood possible, subject or relative to, to the world, because I know that there's no rainbows well not every day is a rainbow and butterflies but at the end of the day if you love what you're doing that energy carries on towards everything and Mm -hmm. and that should allow me to excel within the the passion and career that I love to create the environment for the next generation of Bundalians to be uh, holistically improved from the previous generation because about evolution is that we always want to move forward we don't we don't Yes, sometimes we need to take a, a, a pause, a break, move backwards to analyze the situation. But collectively, if you want to live with a purpose, is to understand holistically that for future generations to come, we want to improve the cycle. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you were quite perceptive of your parents and their interaction with the world at a young age. And it, it sounds like now you've sort of analyzed it a bit more, but you really internalized and perceived a lot of their behaviors and, and how they were handling their life in a new country, essentially, and, and how to represent themselves. What, what was it like for you growing up? Yeah, 100%. Because I think um, the, the last two to three years, um, internalizing this uh, level of perception that I've uh, developed at a, a very young age it was um at first um when you when you don't understand the full extent or you, if you don't if there's no awareness um certain strengths and powers can become your very downfall because if you're practicing something that uh doesn't make the most of that perception and it has a negative impact um then you're unaware that this is happening and then you, you start to beat yourself up about it because when you, when you need to have a frame of reference and human beings are social creatures, um, we evolutioned or we developed and progressed better than other species on this planet is because we coexist within social communities that allows um, us to advance so much quicker. But um, for me to understand all this, um, growing up as a very young age, I just, and this is the balance that I really enjoy that like um, every human being has the, like the, the, there's two complete totals. So for example, you've got your left and your right hands, right? Mm -hmm. So on the left side, you've got like, for example, creativity and the right side's critical. And, and then there's this relative balance um, that as growing up as a child, because me coming into the world, I wasn't as critical or theoretical as I am now, then I guess I, lay, I leaned more towards the creative side or more in tune to the emotional rawness. And um, growing up as a child, like it, it wasn't my story within the childhood, <clears throat> excuse me, it was my sister actually, when she came into the world, she developed a skin condition called, called eczema. And um, with with myself being in tune to the world and, and flourishing um, with my parents. And I used to follow my dad all around. There's photos of me, like, like we, we were inseparable and, and my mom was having a great time. And 
they wanted to have another child. Um, I think my my mother also had um, uh, a history of uh, miscarriage. So I think I'm, I was technically the third child that was supposed to be into the world. So mm-hmm. there were two miscarriages before myself. And when, when she was um, trying for another, um, she said to, and I quote her in these words, she said to God saying, um, God, give me a, another child, please. And regardless of what happens, I will, I will um, take care of my child. And uh, God answered the word and Natasha came into the, the world and there was a test given which she had eczema and what it is is a skin condition that results in the layers of it being very susceptible to infection mm-hmm. and it causes irritation to the, the person who's dealing with it as well so it's a it's the feedback from hell so you're getting skin irritation that gives infection and yet there's a subconscious reaction to continually dig away at that skin which will cause more infection mm-hmm. so there's this uh, medical term that we had to practice back then was wet dressing. And she also is anaphylactic too. So um, at the time being anaphylactic, asthmatic and having eczema um, meant that I think during the initial stages of birth, when you see um, everyone enjoying that moment where the child's first born and then a couple of days or even a week later, they go home and they're still having the child. Um, I saw my parents start to spend more time in the hospital and um, being a child myself, being in a hospital uh, for periods of times wasn't practical. So I didn't, I was actually separated um, for quite some time um, from not seeing my parents every day to hard, hardly because of the, the new circumstances that were present. And I think that also gave the earliest exposure towards me um, as a, a state of trauma. And, mm-hmm. and I say trauma because it's when you see the pain towards the uncertainty or the, the coping mechanisms that my parents had to go through to tackle this uh, uncertain env- time because um, medically the, the, the doctors had felt that Natasha didn't, it didn't look great for Natasha, whether she would actually pers- persist through these trying times, um, let alone if this condition was going to be around forever. But um, being very practical and, and a person of action, both my mother and father, they, um, they took it one day at a time. And I think being aware of that pain, that I didn't know what, which was pain at the time, but knowing that there was that level of emotion that could make you feel such sor- sorrow that made you feel like crying at the same time, um, it also reminded you that there's a frame of reference. So for everything that exists in this world, the opposite must as well. Mm-hmm. So that the two within the balance. So for example, the yin and yang, or um, if the whole world was filled with light and you see this in these movies where like it's in purgatory or in the matrix before they get the, the code and all the weapons come <laughs> yeah, down, yeah, yeah. there's just complete whiteness, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're in a POV, and then you're looking at it and all you see is white then one there's no frame of reference and you don't know how far that whiteness goes so you need a a black line which is the contrast of white and then you can see a frame of reference which is that dimension so for me to see the complete opposite of happiness and and uh joyful and calmness to see the complete opposite of that i i now have a frame of reference that these emotions exist and the more earlier you're exposed to something gives you the, the ticking time clock to actually learn about it, but also um, gain experience and awareness and develop your understanding from it at, um, at that time p- point of contact. Because we're all, we all have the, the same amount of time in the world. Like we might get, gain different types of income or different types of experience, but relative the time that we get in this world doesn't matter um, regardless of when you leave this world or when you come into it, when you're in this world currently, you still have 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. So what you do with that time 
it's completely up to you. But coming back as a young age, being being separated led to the the, the next stage. Whereas when thank God my um my sister when she persisted through uh, that stage of intensive care, the the condition still lied around until she was probably just before she started high school. Um, the condition started to uh, fade away, so the eczema isn't as um, intensive as it was it's with her It's a bit more manageable today. now? Yeah, 100%. Well, the thing is, um, and this is her personal preference, she actually has tattoos now, so... Um, does, that, does having tattoos with eczema, it doesn't cause flaking with the ink or have a hard time for the ink to actually stay in those, those layers of the skin? Um, well, the thing is, like, the eczema that she has now today is pretty much, like, I don't think there's any care that she does in the cream part. So it's the skin has developed to a point where it's 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 not even there anymore. So the fact that she has a tatty uh, on her shoulder, it's I, I don't I don't think it's um, deteriorated because her skin's really great now, um, mm-hmm. and she's how, come a long way. You know. How do your parents feel about her having a tattoo? <laughs> well, being being, let's, let's 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 put in perspective. We we have a very traditional family orientated um, mm-hmm. mom and dad <laughs> who came to Australia where their first generation child, and then you have myself who's like I don't have any tattoos to put in perspective, and um, I have nothing against tattoos. Tattoos look cool, you know, but like myself being very dynamic. Um, I think if I had one on my body, um, I'd be like, oh, that looks cool. But can I like change it next week to something else? Oh, yeah. 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 But at the same time, it allows me to, um, what's it called? If I were to change my look or do a little identity thing, it just helps with the transition as well. Mm-hmm. So um, at first, uh, it was like forbidden. So it was like taboo saying like, no, you're not getting a tattoo, um, mm-hmm. Natasha. And then she actually did the cheeky thing of um, just doing it anyway. And then there was such a big uproar and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'll just give it like two she weeks. She's what? She's 20 now, right? You're, you're six years older than her, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I'm 26. Um, makes her 20. So um, when did she get a tattoo? What happened, right, is that my mom and dad had to go back in the Philippines. They've, they've been more... Oh, naughty. She waited until they left. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, um, they had to spend some time there because my my mother's father's, so my grandfather on my mom's side passed away um, to because of a, a tumor that persisted in the nasal or in the sinus area. And it, it, it just, it was a big shock to myself as well because I was, mm-hmm. if you put it in perspective, it's like, um, mom's already emotional towards losing the, the one person that she really idolized. And my father's parents, they're divorced. My mother's parents, they're divorced. And yet these two people, and because my mother's um, parents were divorced and the Philippines uh, is a very uh, trial time in the financial area, is that my mm. mother's mom actually went to Greece so that she could work over there to send money um, to support the family because both my parents are they had to deal with low class circumstances and yet we've progressed to like uh, the middle class in Australia and and it's pretty much on on my shoulders and determination for me to push that next bracket up to the, the the next class up but classes don't really matter to me it's more about a holistic approach but mm-hmm. obviously um being in a position with financial um flexibility gives equals to financial freedom and it, it allows the feedback loop to manifest within s- itself too so if you have more if you're f- uh, flexible with money you have more time and times that's is the most important thing to me in in forms of currency mm-hmm. but um yeah she she waited and then and she told them over the phone and uh, not the phone, but like, you know, the uh, Yahoo call and stuff. And I'm <laughs> yeah. just like, they, they were such in disbelief. They were so pissed off. And I was just like, you fire star. Well, how cheeky of her. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cheeky. That was a little bit shady as well. You know, she's like, mom and dad went back to the Philippines. I think I'll just do it. <laughs> 
I think um, like looking back at it now in this, in, in this circumstance, I think it's, it's, it was a form of identity that I think it's like, regardless of she has a tattoo or not, I, I'm mm-hmm. glad that she put in the position to, she reflected on what she wanted despite the circumstances and felt that I'm going to commit to this. And, and to this very day, I don't think she regrets the tattoo. She enjoys it. And I think, for the people who identify within the, the Asian nationalities, I like everyone's probably shocked or even having a heart attack for, for uh, an actual child to, to take such a stand mm-hmm. against um, their parents and go against their ways. But inevitably, uh, it's inevitable that we're going to face conflict with our parents, whether it's um, practical or not practical, positive or um, negative. But you need to be reflective of who you are as an individual. Assess the circumstances as best you can. If you want a point of view, talk to friends and families, go ahead. But the person who needs to live with that decision, make it, is yourself. And despite what the world wants and, and, and what you want, ask yourself the question, do I want this? If I do want this, am I going to enjoy this from from years to come and this could be anything from uh relationships uh an actual career change uh your your identity of who you are or even just making a a decision that's at a crossroad and if you make a mistake that's great because who we are as human beings we we don't I, i subjective to my perspective uh relative to what i've experienced I don't believe the world um, progressed through success. You know, I believe we progressed through failure because the thing is, and I, 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 there's a slight change in, in thanks to the power of technology. And I guess growing up, continuing past that point of eczema is that when my parents had to work a lot um, during our high school years, every school holidays to save money, we would just watch movies and movies and movies. And then it, it refined my, um, perspective as well and then when you're in a position to make mistakes you know what you did wrong or you eventually you did discover what you did wrong and that's the going back on our discussion of the frame of reference so now you have a frame of reference of what what you did what you've done wrong and what you did wrong to get to that circumstance so now that you have that black line in in the complete abyss of whiteness then you can navigate with that frame of reference to get essentially what you wanted initially. And eventually you'll get there. If you fail again, that's, that's perfectly fine. You're learning, you're becoming mm-hmm. stronger. And with that frame of reference, like JK Rowling, Harry Potter books, do you think she made that in one go? If she did, man, she's God level. But <laughs> yeah. from what I hear, she was actually going through uh, a very trial time to a point where I think it was something about um, uh, financial strain. And um, I think it was also uh, in a, a relationship crisis as well, to a point where she hit rock bottom in her perspective. Mm-hmm. And yet she kept writing and writing. And before you know it, we're blessed with the Harry Potter franchises. So um, to, to put that in perspective, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, how, how do you think that that actually applies to your life? Like, I want to hear, I want to hear some examples from your own life where you learned these lessons. Cause I think oftentimes we come to these conclusions and these realizations and sort of these ideologies and ways that we think of, because we're basing them off of our own experiences and we're learning from our own experiences. And I want to hear a bit more about you and your experiences what what are some ways that you really saw success comes from failure or or failure has actually pushed you to move forward and to succeed and and put you where you are now uh going into my career oh my my journey so i was being exposed to a level of, of movies and film as a very young age um, opened that perception that one, there's a story to everyone. And um, what I saw consistently in these movies is that the actors would have to overcome a challenge to get what they want and whether they get it or not, it changed them as a person. After 
the school holidays would end, there was always this feeling that when I, when I, when I would look or interact towards a person, and even though my gaze, um, like I have no problem with eye contact, like whether it's um, non-romantic or fully romantic, I'm, I'm a very intimate and passionate person. And when you really connect with someone, um, you, you tend to, there's this language that's not spoken, whereas you get to hear the story of the words that need to be said or are choose not to be said but you hear them anyway. And that's that subtext. So being so aware of that and having that, that perception, I, I felt that the whole world had developed this already. Like this was the level and uh, a normal level of communication. Mm-hmm. And so when I would communicate with people, it was like, yeah, I, um, I felt like I understood them. But it, it, it kind of felt like I wasn't being understood myself. And what do you mean percep- by that? What, what exactly do you mean by that? So it's like when, when you talk with someone and then when they say, so and it, you can look back in, into this for, for the people listening, is that when you're communicating with someone, it's, it's also a form of neg- negotiation. But what's said is technically the icing of the cake. So I'll say um, a certain phrase and then I'll, I'll say it in two different ways. So for example, I really like you and eh, uh, I, I really like you. So the way those two things are said, one, the first line, whether the person is in, uh, intentional or um, the intent of it is genuine. And yet the second one is very nervous, but they're being honest. So having that awareness of when you're talking, it's not just what's being said, but what's being um, trying to be, or what's trying to be said about the words that aren't spoken. So it's kind of like music isn't what is spoken or music isn't the notes that are played. It's music. It's the notes that aren't played. I was saying things and I guess developing my identity I was expecting people to understand what was not being said rather than what was being said. Mm-hmm. You know, if like your parents would ask you, or oh, do you want that? Uh, do you want that ice cream? And me being exposed to the trauma of, of the, the financial hardship that we went through, through during that medical, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the medical practice towards my sister, I would be like, no, I'm okay. And in that saying is, yes, I do want it, but I don't want to put any more hardship on what you've already put on. So I started to withdraw and withdraw in a way that I, I was more considerate towards people. I didn't want to put pressure. I didn't want to be a burden because I saw what a burden was. And I'm not saying my sister is a burden intentionally. It was just the circumstances that had been created within mm-hmm. our environment that I saw firsthand or I felt firsthand that losing two people that you spend the most time with and you adored with to a point where they had to completely work. Like my father still does still to this very day work six days a week. The house is already paid off, but he does it from choice, but it's also from the behavior that he's institutionalized. And that's the power, the power of behavior, which is a a nice book I would recommend as well. Yeah. So growing up, I, I was yearning for the experience that I had seen in film, but yet I was conflicted by the, the, the real life experience and trauma of not wanting to be a burden towards people. So I developed that nice person mentality where I would always put other people first um, before myself. And it, that, that had its advantages. But if you scale that to growing up to a point where you're 26, you're in an environment that's not a school anymore where in school they always tell you that you're special you're the one and yes you are special but you need to be um relative to the circumstances when you go into different working environments Mm -hmm. it's like the people that you interact with there's a this is it's inevitable that you're going to come across people who who don't value them much uh, themselves as much in comparison to yourself and i i feel that when you interact with the world, 
it's a ref, it's a deep reflection of who you perceive yourself and and how strong you feel within yourself as an identity if you if you have a negative experience with someone um they may perceive your perceive you as a threat towards themselves um and a self-defense mechanism would to be is to not form a, an actual positive or welcoming communication mm-hmm. so growing up through the hardships um i I felt firsthand that when it came to school and all that stuff, like school was great, um, making friends and all that stuff, but it was like, it's kind of like, and, and, and I'm also an active gamer, which I really enjoy. It's like you're playing the game on a first level when you're interacting with people because everyone's just like learning about communicating. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're already on the fifth level where you're trying to communicate through subtext like the emotions and stuff. And I guess I kind of subconsciously, subconsciously picked that up from like when you would watch the actors in the movie and stuff and you could always see that they say something, but it's also about the action behind it as well. Hence the it's name quite actors. a skill to express yourself through intonation or, or certain types of eye glances or body language and stuff. It, it's, it's a really big skill to be able to do that. 100%. So you like... The funny thing is, um, and I know that uh, people who identify within the nationalities within Asian um, represent representation, like you see uh, a certain nationality who introduced their child at a very young age uh, to practice the violin, and then they take the world by storm. With mm-hmm. myself, I introduced myself to movies, and now um, I'm taking the world with storm through subtext. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I-, I think communication and and emotional interaction like like coming from the philippines i'm already uh, i've got that 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 native emotional connection already within the genes and to hone on that through understanding communication uh, at a very young age it's like it's a yeah it might be seen as very powerful but in the in the constraints of a child where i think maybe it's changing now but back then we tend to we tended to bubble wrap the the very young age people and i think if you bubble wrap something so like if you put a ship in a harbor which is the safest place to be not in the rough seas and stuff and you leave it there f- for a long long time i don't think it's uh, positive towards its growth or its purpose because then it starts to question what is my purpose and and passion and because of myself within the withdrawal and not wanting to be a burden towards other people and stuff. Uh, I think it was at maybe when I was in fourth or fifth grade at St. Aidan's Primary School in Rudy Hill, um, I started to yearn for, for more of that adventure that I'd seen in film. And I said, I want to live my life more. And this is me talking to myself in like before, mm-hmm. like, this is crazy. Like there was always a, a, a compelling thing where I was like I want to I want to do more and I guess extracurriculum I I was the vice um vice captain in primary school I became one of the school captains in high school and then in senior year from year 10 to year 12 in Loyola senior high from coming from St. Agnes I signed up to be the house color captain and then later then progressed into the student representative council um, based on active participation and merits within the leadership roles. So looking back on my portfolio, I really wanted to do those extra co-curriculum and those, and for those who are already um, actively learning and, and listening to these podcasts, hats off to you, you know, the, the sooner you start, the more opportunity and, and time you've given yourself to make mistakes mm-hmm. because you, you, you gain this knowledge and information, which is really well, but applying it practically and gaining the experience and the frame of reference of what works for you and what doesn't, because what I could say completely may not work for someone. And, and I'm completely fine with that, but you, you've gained this awareness or you've, you've understood that there's a recipe to bake the cookies this way. And if mm-hmm. you burn the cookies in the end, then you find what works for you. And then you can build on from that recipe. Like that's how that progression of, humanity works like we're not we don't evolutionize from success we evolutionize from failure because understanding where we went wrong 
we can move forward based on those circumstances because and this has led you to where you are now you're you're actually studying film to be able to create and express and use this form of communication with these unspoken words right it's unspoken communication right so now you're 100%. studying film how do you feel about that are you are you excited to be showing the world basically how to communicate without words so I would say completely yes. If anyone, and I, I encourage anyone, if if you have that that feeling, and it's hard to put into words because when it, with emotion, it's all feeling. But if mm-hmm. I'm saying these words now about film, studying film, as in the Bachelor film, and I do this at SAE Quantum Sydney, I highly encourage yourself to do more research, even to have a consultation. And this is not sponsored, by the way. But this <laughs> I wish. Sponsored, please. <laughs> yeah, just a wink, wink there. Yeah. But um, if something you find interests you, it doesn't matter if subjectively you feel that this isn't conventionally going to work for me. Like, if if and and this this resonates really strongly within the the nationalities that identify within the Asian countries because I know that there's a tradition of high achieving within either a certain realm of employment that would give them the six figures, you know? So if you feel something creative or you find something that, that really resonates with you and you understand that financially this might, or even uh, subjective towards career progression, you're going to face adversity regardless of what you do. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have good days regardless of what you do. The, the main the main thing I, I implore you is that listen to yourself, get in tune into that voice within and say to yourself, can I see myself doing this within five to 10 years? Or even if you, if you don't want to spend that long in there, maybe two or one years, do I see myself continuing this, enjoying it? And I say enjoying it regardless of what adversity I'm going to go through. And if you can be if this brings a smile to your face or you feel chills shiver down your spine, that is your body telling you subconsciously to give it a shot. Okay. I'm not saying commit because commit might put you off, but if you expose yourself towards this environment, then give it a shot. And let's say worst case scenario, it doesn't work out for you. You have that frame of reference, that frame of reference, whether it's four months, two years, five years, six months, nine days. It doesn't matter because you are developing as a human being. You are shaping your journey. You are showing to the world through your movie and your actions that you are going towards what you want or you are discovering what you want. You're moving, you're progressing, you're evolving. For me, film was my calling. I went through at least four to five different eras of career I've done probably at least maybe 10 or 12 jobs. I, I went to a wedding um, a couple of days ago and I hadn't seen one of my best mates from high school in a while, but I saw him there. And the first, the first thing he said to me is that he laughed and said, you can't seem to stay in a job. And I said, yeah, but through that journey, I've actually found what I've been searching for this whole time. And I can say hand on my chest, this is the one. And you will know. You will know. Because a, a very key indication is that when you know that it's time to look elsewhere and, and, you, and you discovered whatever you're in isn't for you, is when you start to look at the numbers. If you're saying to yourself, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. And that's fine. We all say that when things are being very busy. But a very key point is when you start counting the clock, is when you start comparing oh, I'm only getting paid this much. Those are the subconscious factors that your body's telling you that what you're doing isn't it. It's somewhere else out there, but right now it's not it. And maybe you can weather the storm, maybe two or three times saying, oh, maybe it's just a bad moment. I'll just let it slide Mm -hmm. and stuff. But how long are you going to lie to yourself if you keep doing this at least five to six times? If you come home disgruntled and, and close towards the world, and, and not connect and, and, and live with the decision that you've made, you know? So I, I think that based on perspective, uh, people tend 
to and there's some some evidence to support this is that human beings tend to avoid pain rather than um, progress through pleasure so if the pain of uncertainty and being uncomfortable within uh, a certain realm or practice of of what you see as conventionally successful think about when you have a family and a partner of of whatever preference you prefer are you going to put them through the pain of i of lying to yourself when you when you don't feel fulfilled personally because the energy comes within and if you're already lying to yourself you're blocking that energy and eventually that positive energy will deteriorate into negative energy and then that's just going to impact all the meanings of life so mm-hmm. if i can say that i've done so many career paths dealt with so many people quit a lot of jobs and intentionally tried to get fired from a couple of them as well cheeky <laughs> well that's that's the payoff you know so you get your cheeky long service paid out and all that stuff so <laughs> it's a it's a cheeky bonus check right there but um if you're finding excuses then that should be a clear indication of do your research open your eyes and find what works for you because i guarantee you or i highly encourage that when you find something that you enjoy and i'm just studying it i'm not and i understand the the career path that i've chosen which is within bachelor of film yes it's going to be highly competition um yes it's glorified and and yes being in australia it it might not be seem as um competitive in base to other countries but one there will always be a way if you open up your perspective because everything is subjective to how you see the world based on comments on what you make how you act if something doesn't seem possible learn find what you can do to make it possible stack the deck in your favor because mm-hmm. when things start happen little action here and there will help big action success is all due to preparation you prepare for it and if you fail that's still preparation because you're learning from it you know eventually let's say we go uh, back to the future in a, in a DeLorean thanks to Marty and his sneakers <laughs> if i see myself directing and a, a movie or editing a movie and and coming home feeling fulfilled then i know what i've done these actions before then i can say yeah it's yeah i've i've i've, I've quit at least 12 jobs of different careers I've, i've wasted subjectively some some time in certain areas but it was all worth it because when you get to where you want no one says oh jk rowley she she was almost bankrupt no no they say wow jk rowling created some really great harry potter movies i like yeah. this person wow john is really enjoying his life within the career of film no one hardly anyone talks about the failure once you make it over the line and you deem yourself happy and successful within your career so yeah amazing i think that that's really important to verbalize as well cuz i think i think oftentimes at least with myself and i'm i'm guessing some of the listeners as well sometimes it's quite difficult to actually put those types of realizations into words or into a form that you can actually understand so thank you very much for for sharing that with us uh we are actually coming towards the end of time so right before we leave are there any last words or messages you'd like to share with our listeners 100% so First of all, I do want to thank Diamond for having me. It's a really wonderful opportunity to express this, and um, creating a medium that will transcend space and time in this universe and all the other parallel universes towards it is um, really find the truth to who you are. And this truth is always subjective, subjective and relative. Things that m- may work today might not work tomorrow, and things that haven't worked in the past might work today. only yourself will know the frame of reference that you've created and listen to that emotional gut feeling because that's the feeling that's the, that allowed humanity to progress because we've developed this genetic coding of survival those pro, pure raw instincts that we've we've shelved away and and just followed the conventional way of society through the the sub- subjectivity of of school saying work 9 to 5 start a family at this age climb the ladder 
And if you do this, you're, you're successful and you will be happy. That might not work for everyone. And if it doesn't work for you, don't blame yourself because your journey has yet to come. And the best thing about it, and this is like a dead poet society reference, take the path that was least taken or not taken at all. Because the best way when you overcome adversity, it makes the end game or the apple pie taste so much better when you make the apple pie yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, don't just go to McDonald's and buy their apple pie. All right. Make your own apple pie. And I assure you, it will be tasty. Discover your purpose. By you listening to Diamond's podcast already and the, the archive of information that she's created for you, she has been a mentor towards you. And she is one of the, the elements of Catalyst to allow you to discover. Keep listening to podcasts. Look for audiobooks. Communicate with people that you feel are on the same wavelength, but also go out there into communities that have been already established. And if you feel uncomfortable, assess what, why you feel uncomfortable. And, and that will indicate to you as a frame of reference what you can do to overcome these un uncomfortabilities, okay? And cause and effect. So the aftermath. Yes, make mistakes. Don't keep making the same mistake for no reason. But if you do make the same mistake, analyze your frame of reference. Why did this mistake happen again? Or why is this a new mistake? learn from it. And everything takes time. We all have the same 24 hours a day. We all have seven days a week. You know, if you can't go to the gym, find why you can't go to the gym. When I started going to the gym, I loved the feeling that it gave to me and doing the, the Les Mills body combat, body pump, all their oh, programs. I love and stuff. them. Oh, it's so good. Like so I'm actually going to go good. towards it today. I have after, such a big female this. crush on um, the main girl who leads the Les Mills films. <laughs> Oy, that's saucy right there but um yeah it's, for me to discover like for me to say no nah, i'm i'm tired of of feeling unfulfilled i need to find this feeling and that feeling that gave to me during gym was like i want to replicate this feeling with with my career and so i kept researching and and that's when i discovered film got a consultation so if 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 you're feeling unfulfilled or unsatisfied in life, find other things that you can improve on to stack the deck in your favor so that when you make a career decision, you already have these supporting elements of gym or eating healthy or having these meaningful relationships with a select few individuals. And, and my, my main message collectively to that is that who we are and who we want to be is based on what you want, not what other people want, okay? And if you fail and make mistakes, and get in uncomfortable positions finding that. That's completely fine because that's, that's life, you know? The gift of life is that once you feel fulfilled and in your purpose and passion is that you give back to the world. And I hope I can, through this podcast and for many more to come, I hope I gave back to my, from my perspective to the world as a thank you to what I finally discovered and what I will continue to do. And on that note, good luck. Thank, Thank you, you John. Much. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for coming onto the show today. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. New episodes are released the 1st and 15th of every month, sometimes the 2nd and 16th of every month. If you'd like to support the show, you can head over to anchor.fm forward slash the Asian Tales podcast forward slash support. As always, I appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time.